Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Yeah? Bringing that energy? All right. Well, we got a great show planned for you. Piggybacking a little bit off of some of the things we were talking about in last night's uh, episode. Um, and again, we are channelq.com is where you want to go if you want to check out that past episode and uh, all the others, great stuff there. But uh, I've been doing a lot of research for a book I'm working on that is relationally centered, shocker, right? And last night we were talking about um, dating and apps and all the different kinds of styles. And we were talking about what kind of dater are you? And we were running through the different kinds. Are you the perfectionist? Are you the one that's rooted and lost and trapped in fantasy? Are you anxious? Are you a runner? So tonight I wanna kind of push further in. We also talked about a little bit of the app use and hey, there was a time now, (laughs) Some people are too young to even know this magical time, but Dr. D is old enough and young enough to have one foot in one one area and one foot in the other, and I'm going to lean on the foot that's in the old school ways of being prior to phone use, which funny enough, I do remember pre-cell phone use. And some of my listeners, of course, know that um, because they, you know, they're also old enough to understand that cell phones haven't been around forever. But there's some people, some of my listeners that are like, wait, what's a landline, right? So without getting into all that, I want to just say, hey, historically, one of the number one ways that people met other people, partners, romance, and all that was uh, through people they knew, being out with them, being introduced. The number one way now is ready for a drum roll online. Online is starting to kick it up into the number one way. And I'm a big fan of it. Look, there's flaws to all the different ways of dating, right? The old school way of dating, the flaw was you had to leave your house. (laughs) And I know that that sounds totally ridiculous, but uh, yeah. And we live busy lives. Not everyone has the um, access to a lot of places to go. If they live in a rural or suburban area or they have some type of marginalized, you know, gender or sexual orientation and they don't necessarily have concentrated safe spaces to meet those kinds of individuals. Um, Others, their work schedules. Hey, if you're working nights, that limits you, et cetera, et cetera. Not everyone, you know, some people also have social anxiety. So I love app use. Again, lots of downsides to it. But the upside is that we can set up a profile and put our phone down and we're out there dating. People can be matching with us. You can do it from your couch. You can also meet people that live outside your local area. Remember, back in those old days, uh, which is not that long ago, actually, you could only meet the people that were accessible in your local area, at the bar, the supermarket, whatever it was. If you're sober and you're not going to bars, you had to meet, I don't know, people in the 12-step programs or the local library. Yes, local libraries. When's the last time you all went to a library? Those are magical magical places. But 
So dating apps are kicking it into number one, followed by through people you know, and then it kind of you know goes from there. All of this to say is that's kind of what we were talking about yesterday is some of the pitfall, pitfalls of that. We'll circle more through that. And COVID, you know, people are lonely. They want to connect. Uh, summer's here, you know, kind of giving us a little bit of a spike in energy. But uh, tonight I want to talk more about some relationship facts and stats that uh, came up in my research that I think are really, really powerful and profound. And then um, if we have time tonight, get into uh, some of the things about affairs and then just some other basic relational stuff around attachment theory that hyper-intellectual concepts that are actually quite basic and simple, but it's game changer stuff because a lot of the reasons why people are not doing well in their relationships of all kinds or their careers or even in dating is they're not seeing themselves in the right way. And we tend to project, we tend to problematize the job, the boss, the friend, the dating app, not realizing that we sometimes have a part in the problems that are created or sustained, right? So we're always going to be doing the difficult work of seeing ourselves. Um, so let's kind of just start with one of the facts that I thought was really powerful. So, you know, when we talk about what is necessary in a relationship, and I'm going to use a lot of dating app references and examples, because again, that's one of the, you know, number one most used methods of people meeting others. Um, we're, we're at the mercy of what elements and traits the dating apps give us access to in another person. And the traits that they let us see initially are things that people type in, their age, their height, their weight, where they live. And then the most undefined, but yet defined traits that they see themselves to have or interests that they have, likes and dislikes. But they're very one-dimensional. And the way that people list who they are is not always rooted in truth. Sometimes it's rooted in ego. But we can't really make sense of what that means in real time. If someone says they're indoorsy or outdoorsy, I have no idea what that means at all, right? Uh, someone's height and weight. We don't even necessarily have a sense of how they move through the world, these other important factors. And so online dating gives us what we call searchable qualities, right? Um, traits that you might use for shopping, like how tall is the trash can, what color is it? And those things are all that matters. There is no experience to be had with a pair of sneakers or a shirt or a trash can per se for shopping online. We just wanna know the color, the size, the fit. You know, if we try it on, it looks good, we're good. People are experiential. We need to have an experience of them. We need to see them. We need to talk to them. We need to be around them, right? And these dating apps don't give us access to experience. Dating apps are supposed to be a launch pad, a way to initially connect, to take it further, to do the real necessary investigation. But people somehow think that the evaluative process and assessment process can take place just by looking at height, weight, and if we think that the photos they provided are good. And that actually does not help us connect to what are the more important pieces. So there's your little cliffhanger. So then what is important? Well, you're gonna have to stick around and find out. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Excuse me, you're listening to, choked on my coffee. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back and uh, I drank my coffee slower, so I don't have to worry about that. So let's talk about this for a second. So before the break, I was sharing with you all that, you know, dating apps don't give us access to the experiential presence-based experiences that we need to assess interest in someone, right? Um, knowing their height, their weight, indoorsy, outdoorsy, whether or not they like concerts. I, I, we don't know what that means. That's not enough to go on. And in fact, those pieces ready don't matter. Studies show us over and over, and this is research that has been done longitudinally, meaning they've tracked individuals and couples for decades assessing these factors. What are the factors that couples that are doing well all have? What are the factors that couples aren't doing well all have? What are the things that couples that were arguing did that helped them have sustainable, happy relationships? It's called relational science. <clears throat> we have a lot of research, but a lot of people aren't familiar with this stuff. They just kind of log on, go with what's there, make you know, really quick judgments, and it fails them because the science isn't there. But the science can't be there, and the apps aren't supposed to be operating in that way. It's kind of, again, like online shopping. It's not supposed to help you figure out the exact best fit. It is doing the best it can do with what it can offer. It can only show you pictures, a sizing chart, and you can take out your little measure and try to figure it out. But there is a part where when it gets home, you do want to try it on, feel it, and, and have an experience of it. People are even more like that. So my cliffhanger in the last segment was, well, if these apps don't give us access to the things that actually matter for long-term happy relationships, which the research show us is not about their height or their weight, or even if we have a lot of things in common, which is surprising to some people, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of things in common or not, right? It's not about how much money they make. And yet these are all the things we go off of. And these are all the reasons why we might kick someone out of our, you know, parameters or whatever. And that's why a lot of us are failing. So what does matter? Ready for this? For 70%, about 70%, when we look at the relationships that did well, right, what had 70% of the most important impact, which is a really clunky, funky way to say it, but determining the most determinative, the most determinative factor in marital satisfaction, okay, which includes sex, romance, and passion, so that's a big thing when we talk about marital satisfaction, that's a wide scope, is the quality of the couple's friendship, Friendship, not how much they had in common, not how much they didn't have in common. So it's not do opposites attract to similarity? No, that actually does not even matter. 
It's about if you if you have if you're a healthy person, you have respect for each other. You will respect the differences. You will participate in the similarities. That doesn't matter. But that's all the app gives us access to. People will literally be on there being like, "Oh, uh, I'm outdoorsy, and I like to go to Burning Man and concerts." And you say you're indoorsy, and you don't, so we're not a match. That is how we keep ourselves single. Because what really matters, right? What has the most determinative impact of marital satisfaction or relational satisfaction is their friendship. Do they like each other? What is it like when they're around each other? Those, those factors, those small infractions, those meaningless things that we will reject someone for don't matter. The studies don't say if you're outdoors, you gotta meet someone outdoorsy. Now again, we've talked about compatibility and those things do have an impact on your time together, but those shouldn't be the most determinative qualities. It should be the quality of the friendship. Well, then you ask, well, how am I gonna determine that based off an app? And that's my answer, you can't. So then you say, well then Dr. Chris, what the heck do we do with these apps? You use them as a method to connect. Keeping your door wide open, knowing that you don't know what a lot of these qualities mean. You do your best, but you give people a shot. When in doubt, go out. That's what I always say. When in doubt, get them on the phone. Because it's about realizing what kind of friendship could we build. That is the most important quality. The couples that have the long-term satisfaction enjoy and like each other. They don't have a ton in common. They don't have a ton not in common. It's not about their height and weight ratio right? But we get hung up on those things because that's all the apps give us access to. And so we start to think in those terms. Well, one person's 5'7", one person's 5'9". I guess I'll go with the person that's 5'9", because culture has told me that tall is important, but it isn't. None of those factors matter. And you keep yourself single by worrying about your height versus their height. People will come into my office with a laundry list. Yes. Yeah, so Dr. Chris, I'm looking for a guy or girl that is six foot one and they make this amount of money. And all I hear is I'm trapped in my ego right? I've internalized what culture has told me is important. And this is why I'm keeping myself single because I'm thinking in the wrong terms. I'm not thinking I need to just be able to build an amazing friendship with this person. And I have to get out into the real world and be around them to see if that's possible because you can have absolutely nothing in common and have an awesome friendship and enjoy each other and still step into those differing things that you each like because you care about them or lovingly say, Hey, I'm not interested in doing that, but go off and do that with your friends and have an amazing relationship. We're not looking for our twin. We're we're looking for partnership. And that again is rooted in having a solid friendship, which really just translates to we like each other. Let me be transparent. I'm, I'm getting more familiar with using personal examples. I'm in an amazing, loving relationship with one of the more amazing human beings I've ever met. On paper, we have nothing in common. In real time, we don't have much in common, but we really like being around each other. We laugh nonstop when we're together. We can't keep our hands off each other. We have an awesome life and we're deeply in love. But on paper, we have nothing in common. And we met on an app and when I looked at the qualities, they were the opposite of mine. But I knew that this person still in sitting with what they said about themselves, I liked them. I said, this person seems like a good person. And I said, let's get on the phone. Let's go on a date. And I realized, wow, I really like this person. We dress different. We look different. We work in different fields. They're outdoorsy. I'm indoorsy. I'm hyper-intellectual. They're, they're more uh, business-minded. It's very distinct, but yet we like each other. And that's what holds us together. And that's what the studies show matter most. So really sit with that. Deep friendship. That's what you're going for. And that's about respect and fun right? And this leads to what we call positive sentiment override, which is having a lot of positive experiences with them, wanting to come back to them, right? That doesn't mean we don't fight. doesn't mean we don't argue, but because we actually like and enjoy each other, it doesn't get out of hand. It doesn't get aggressive. It doesn't get mean. 
We're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll talk more about that. And then, of course, we'll be gliding into those DMs. Thank you, Astro Glide. So if you've got a DM for us, drop, uh, drop us a message. You know, topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back to, a question you got in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And as I said, uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on, and there it is. And when we get back, we'll keep talking about what are what does the research show us? We're going to be basically doing relational science. And then hopefully if we have time tonight, and if not, we'll hit it tomorrow talking a little bit about some of the stuff that leads to a Affairs. You know, last night's show, we were talking about, you know, getting dating ready and getting on those apps. Now we're in the relationship. It's a journey. And next, we're going to move to some other stuff. So stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And uh, we're talking about this uh, likability, this friendship piece, deep friendship. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk more about this down the road. But it's it's this center point of structural security versus relational psychological security, right? Structural security is uh, we're monogamous, we're married, we have a home, we have kids. All these structural pieces that are milestones couples or individuals go through or think they have to go through to be real or truly committed. And that actually isn't commitment. That is structural commitment, but the relational commitment is what actually makes us feel safe and cared for. And you can put all the rules in the world in place. I have your passwords. I'm going to go through your phone. You can't be friends with exes. And those are all structural changes, and that will never make you feel safe, which is why people still stay anxious and are asking questions and looking through the phone because what you need is relational security, and that only comes from likability and true deep friendship with your partner. That's what you have to work on. If I enjoy them and they enjoy me and I feel safe with them, then it doesn't matter these structural pieces. We can go through those structural pieces, marriage, monogamy, house ownership, for the value that that can provide. But we don't expect those to give us trust and safety, things that they can't give us and shouldn't be asked to give us because those are just structural things. Those are just elements we we bring in. We want relational security. Do you like each other? And if not, start with that. Why? How can we work on that, right? And I'll share some thoughts with you, you know, about that in a minute. But you want relational security. What does that what does that mean? What are the terms we should be thinking of? Structural security are, you know, the things a ring, monogamy, rules, marriage. Well, then what do we want? I'll tell you, it's a few key words, consistency, reliability, and availability. That's what makes us feel safe and trustworthy. People will say that after an affair. How do I trust them again? Well, not with all the rules in the world, not with lie detector tests, not by going through their phone, but by reestablishing liking each other, which usually is why the affair occurred. Most affairs occur because of relational issues that are trying to be solved through an affair. So again, if we're available, if we're reliable, if we're consistent, that builds trust. Focus on that. What are the other pieces we want to think about? What are the other pieces that help a couple build true friendship? Which doesn't mean we don't fight. Fighting and conflict is good. It's healthy. It's expected. Most couples' issues are not solvable. There will be something you will always be re-encountering and imagining. I'm sorry, not uh, imagining, but managing. And it takes the sharpness off of it, right? It allows us to heal better. So how do we build that true deep friendship? Okay, so again, we're assessing ourselves first and then our partners. But our first self-assessment is, are you staying consistent and close with your partner? What I mean by that is, are you aware, are you aware of what's going on in their life? Do you follow up about it? Do you stay in touch? For instance, do you know if your partner's having any issues at work? 
And if not, why? Why are you not close enough where you know what's going on at work? And if you do know, do you follow up? Hey, honey, I knew today you had that talk or that meeting with your boss. How did that go? You're, you're tracking, you're following up, you're staying close. So if you don't know your partner's friends' names, if you've never met them, if you don't know their colleagues, if you don't know what's going on at work, if you don't know what's going on in their life, well, then you don't have that deep friendship. And you're going to start doing the structural stuff. Well, I'm going to put more rules and I'm going to want to make sure we get married and all these things that you think will make you feel safe, but they won't if you don't have the relationship security stuff in place, right? Working on repair attempts, being emotionally mature, supporting each other. What are your partner's hopes and dreams? And what have you done to help them reach that and move towards that? That's the work. That's the goal. That's what matters most. So that's what I assess for. When a couple says we got married, I don't go, oh, they must have all the love, care, trust, and commitment in the world. That marriage promises nothing. Them having a child tells me nothing. In fact, it sometimes tells you they're panicking and they're thinking if we have a baby or we get married, all will be well or all will get better. No, it won't. Those are structural changes. That doesn't change anything. It's like other structural changes. We can move to a new house and that doesn't inherently promise to change anything. Structural changes don't matter. It's the personality. It's the relationship. Are you close and connected? Do you like each other? Do you spend time together? I shared this story with you before because it was so profound for me. I heard on a TV show someone saying in reference to golf, I'm so thankful for golf because it's helped me keep my marriage alive and happy because my husband's never home and he's always playing golf. What? That means you don't like each other. You don't actually have a relationship. You have a structure. We're married. We live together. But want better than that. Seek better than that. Be with someone who you want to be with. There's no mental health in just saying, well, I'm married. Okay, but what's the quality of it? I don't care what you own. I don't care if you're married or not. It's the quality that matters. Marriage promises nothing. Monogamy promises nothing. It's about the people themselves and the relationship they have that matters. So I don't care about those milestones. That doesn't promise anything. So it's not like, oh, as soon as you get married, you'll know that this person's really caring and committed. No, as soon as you actually get into a true deep relationship and attachment happens, that's what matters. Gonna take a little break. And uh, which so we're going to be gliding into those DMs courtesy of Astroglide. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to keep uh, talking about this stuff. These are the kinds of things that, you know, not only help you build a better relationship, also helps you maybe leave a bad relationship, but also helps affair proof your relationship, which is what a lot of people still worry about. Um, but again, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline. They're always over at wearechannelq.com. So uh, yeah, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And uh, now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. Uh, these DMs come from our Loveline IG page. As always, if you got a question for us, drop it in there. Anything you're wondering about, someone else might be too. And if you got a uh, topic you want me to dive into, drop it in there as well. Or, you know, something I might have spoken about already you want clarification on. We got your back. Uh, so this one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my boyfriend and I haven't had sex in many, many months. I have body issues and I often feel embarrassed, even though I believe and he says that he loves me no matter what. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. I believe him 1000% when he says that. I'm coming to terms with my body image, but I feel like we might have become just friends. Little kisses here and there. Still call each other babe. That's about it. I don't know what to do. Ah, all right. So much in there. Well, first off, I'm glad that you're with a partner who finds you attractive, values you, validates you, expresses that. You know, that's an important part of relationship, especially if we're in a monogamous relationship to have partners that 
we find attractive and that find us attractive. That's part of sexual compatibility. Uh, excuse me. That is part of sexual compatibility and an important part of sexual chemistry. Um, and we hope to be with a partner where our eroticism for each other grows as our bodies shift and change and we age. It doesn't always happen and then we have another issue, but I'm glad that you're with someone who feels that way. But eroticism, it can sometimes drop. So if you've already had compatibility and chemistry there, awesome, I can help you. If not, then it, the question really becomes about how do I work on a sex life with someone who I'm not turned on by? And it's a really hard answer because uh, you can't. You kind of find ways to eroticize. That's for another topic, another day. But uh, basically what I'm hearing you kind of say is maybe we've drifted a little into a non-erotic, non-romantic relationship or style. How do I bring that back? Perfect. This is what you do. You start to re-eroticize your partner and re-romance them every single day. I'll give everyone else a tip based on that in a minute, but that's what you have to do. Every single day, find a way to build in eroticism or romanticism as a way to reignite it, to have access to it, to make it more familiar. Uh, and again, there's so many ways to do that. You just flirt, you wink, you kiss, you touch, you cuddle, you leave them a note, you send them an email, you take a picture, you have sex, you make out, you buy them a gift, you say something thoughtful every single day. We want to always keep it close. We always want to keep it accessible. And that's the tip for everyone else. Do that every day for your partner so as to never let it drift because it's harder to get back to it. After many months away from it, it can be very hard. It gets very fragile, right? It's not as familiar. So keep it close. Keep connected. Keep building in on that. Remember, we're always staying in the stages of courtship and the stages of romanticism. We always want to attract. We always want to flirt. We always want to romance. If we let those things drop, we then can't complain about why we don't have those in our relationship anymore. Those are verbs. Those are actions. We're romanticizing and sexualizing or we're not. And if we're not, you won't have that or that kind of relationship. So the way we get back to it is by bringing it back. But more importantly, don't ever let it go. Your romance partner is supposed to be romanticized and romanticize you. Your sex partner is supposed to be someone who's sexual with you, right? So talk about it. Hey, I miss that. How can we get back to it? Get each, get all partners on the same side, uh, prioritizing, bringing it back and then start to do that daily. It'll get more familiar. It'll get close. That's what, that's what you got. If for some reason your partner's not interested or not, or not into that, well, then you have to have that conversation. What does that mean? But you have to first start by talking about it. Second, get everyone on the same page. And third, start enacting it and then never let it go. It's a beautiful resource. It's a beautiful tool, but sometimes people don't see it as important as it is, or they think that things should run on autopilot, or they think, well, now we're married. Now we're monogamous. Now we live together. Now we have kids. These things don't matter. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. Those are things that we miss. And all that is a part of our mental health. It's a part of our self-esteem. Our self-esteem, our self-worth, our body esteem is reflected back to us by those around us. It is not an inside job. Self-esteem is not an inside job. It, it, it requires some inside work, but it's also something that's relational. It's relationally created, right? The injuries are social and relational and they're healed relationally and socially. So get back to that, make it important, but get them on the same page. It's valuable stuff, it's important stuff. And um, yeah, so that's what you gotta do. But you also have to be willing to face whatever comes out of that conversation because maybe your partner will let you know, I've fallen out of love, I'm not interested in doing this anymore, I've fallen in love with someone else. Like we never know where that journey will lead, but it's an important conversation to have because we need to know what's going on. You know what I mean? So it's, your partner sounds awesome, good luck, you care about them. Circle back and let me know how that goes, but I think there's a lot of learning lessons in that question for everyone, so. Let's all focus on that. All right, coming up next, uh, we're gonna be talking about tips for getting into and having your first three-way. Ah, uh, yes, important, important stuff. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide.
All right, we're back and uh, we're kind of doing a little bit of a really important crash course in relationships uh, post gliding into those DMs. So uh, before the break, uh, before the DMs, we were talking a lot about relationships and how friendship is the key determining factor um, of about 70% of determinant. Uh, I know very clunky ways to say that. And we talk about marital satisfaction. We're talking about sex, romance, passion. 70% of that is about the quality of the couple's friendship, the relationship they have. It's what we call relational security. That's what builds that. Do we know each other's lives? Do we like each other? Do we follow up? Are we consistent? Uh, but most people actually look to, count on, or rely upon what we call structural security and commitment. Marriage, monogamy, a ring, um, house ownership, and those things are just developmental steps and stages and things that you acquire, and that's great. Go do them, enjoy it. But that's not what builds a quality relationship. I don't care if they're married or not. Don't care if they're monogamous or not. Don't care if they have kids or own a house together. None of those things speak to the health, loyalty, trust in a relationship. And we know that. We know tons of people that are married, have kids, rings, monogamy, or whatever these other pieces are, and still have no love, no loyalty, nothing. So that's where you need to start. Work on that. Don't, don't form relationships with people you don't actually like or enjoy. I mean, that's a shocker, but that's a really important part of this as well. And we're talking about how on dating apps, you're not given access to those pieces. You have to actually, when in doubt, go out and be around them to find that out. We get hung up on the things that don't matter. How tall are they? How much money do they make? Do we have the same things in common? None of that matters. Honestly, if you have care, love, and respect, it doesn't matter. People will go do it with you anyway. I hate going. I don't really like the outdoors. But if I'm dating someone who enjoys it, I'll, I'll spend some time. Vice versa, right? Don't get hung up on those pieces. That level of compatibility does matter. We've talked about that. We'll talk about it again. But that's not the most prominent determining factor, right? Those are foundational. But core is that consistency, that reliability, trust. And that's experiential. You can't assess that on a dating app. That's why we have to use dating apps as a launching pad to get out there. And, and for the couples that are already together and been married forever, don't over-rely upon or put too much trust in these structures that promise nothing. It's even like this controversial statement that's shocking to me where I say all the time, virginity, have sex because you want to have sex with that person because that promises nothing. It doesn't promise love. It doesn't promise marriage. And that's why the first time you have sex, have it because I'm interested in having sex with this person, knowing that it doesn't necessarily promise anything. We're not getting hung up on structural pieces, behavioral things. It's the experiential, the relational. That is what matters most. And couples get thrown off when they're like, oh, we're doing it all right. We delayed sex. We got married, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because you're going through the motions. It's what happens in that house that matters. It's what happens within your monogamy that, that matters. It's what happens to the people that exchange rings that matters, not just those processes, right? We can always work on that. If you're in a miserable marriage or relationship and you think that there is like to be found, work on building a deep friendship. Find out about their life. I say this, all healthy, healthy couples, they know the names of each other's friends. They've met each other's family members. They know what's going on at work and in their lives. They ask, they track, they follow up. Hear that. They ask, they track, and they follow up. That's investment. That's the deep friendship. Work on that. That can be done at any time. And again, as I say over and over on Loveline, these things are applicable outside of my entry point. I'm talking about romantic relationships, but that's also how you be a good parent. Do you know your child's friends? Do you know what's going on in your child's life? That's how you be a good sibling. Do you know what's going on in your sibling's life? Right? That is how we build true friendship and trust. We don't bring everyone into that because that's not for everyone to be a part of. We're not supposed to have deep friendship with everyone. I have acquaintances and we only talk about and they only know about superficial things. But I also wouldn't necessarily have a lot of trust or loyalty because I haven't built what requires, what's required for that, right? So work on that. What are your partner's hopes and dreams? Do you support that? Do you push them towards that, right? 
or do you just try to feel safe? You're just trying to always work on not being anxious. What are some other things that help? Well, no harsh startups. The way you start a conversation will always determine how the conversation goes. If you come in hot and aggressive and worked up, it's probably only gonna amplify. But if you come in soft and loving and caring, it'll probably stay that way. Or at least it'll be amplifying from about a zero or a one versus you coming in at a six or seven and wondering why all the wheels fall off. No harsh startups, chill out, work on calming down or it is not the time to have that difficult conversation. What else do we have to think about? Don't flood people. If the person you're trying to communicate with is getting overwhelmed by you, then you need to pause, you need to stop, you need to bring it back down, you need to come back to it. And also always be open to repair attempts. I say that to everyone, I don't care who did what. Children care about fair is fair and who did what. Adults just care about repair. And even if they are never the issue, they're never the problem, they still focus on repair because they want a loving relationship. It doesn't matter who started it. That is a perspective for children. Emotionally intelligent, mature adults are always willing to do the repair within relationships of people they care about period. Parents need to always do that. Your four-year-old, 12-year-old, 19-year-old is not mature enough to do the repair. Even if they started it or did it, you knock on their door and say, can we talk about this? I care about you. I want to resolve this. Even if you weren't the perpetrator, adults have to act like emotionally intelligent, mature adults. Get away from fair is fair. I've been saying that all week in my office. It's really important. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to slide, not into the DMs, but we're going to slide into talking about affairs. How do we affair-proof? Because that's also, you know, a big issue in relationships. And uh, yeah, but gliding into those DMs again later in the show. So you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline G page and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. All right, y'all. So stick around. We got more good stuff coming. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And now we're kind of getting into the affair stuff. Yesterday, we were talking about the beginning stages and dating apps. Today, we're talking about being in deep relationship. And again, remember, all these things apply to people that aren't in monogamous marriage or even in romantic relationships. This applies to parent-child, friend and friend, sibling and sibling. These are all just generalized skills. So before the break, we were talking about how to build true deep friendship. Ask questions, track, follow-ups, basically staying in touch. Always be willing to do the repair. Hey, even if you never cause the problem, Great, your self-esteem should be intact because you know that you're always being the adult and the emotionally mature one. You have to decide what kind of partner and person you wanna be, be the better person. You are never let off the hook because someone else started it. Grow up, we have to be bigger than that. That is for children, we're adults, we're doing better, right? No harsh startups, how we start and enter a conversation most likely will determine where it goes next. Start soft, if you're dysregulated, overwhelmed or feeling aggressive, that is not the time. Don't flood them if you see that you're overwhelming them, back down, back off, come back to it. And finally, like I said, repair attempts always. So let's talk about affairs a little bit. This is something that has some very confusing research out there. So I'm going to share with you what I think is better research and what I've seen in my practice of almost two decades doing this work, as well as my own research into relational science. Um, affairs don't cause divorce. Okay. So let's just start by saying that the problems that are occurring in the individual and the relationship are what lead to divorce. And those are the same problems that often lead to affairs as well. So the issue is always what was going on in that individual and in that marriage, that divorce was the solution or an affair was an attempt at a solution. Because that's what affairs generally are. Sometimes, sure, they're opportunistic, but most of the time, they're a symptom of something. So the question has to be not just don't do it again, I'm going through your phone. What was going on in our marriage or our relationship that made them think that that was okay or important? And even the person that didn't do the affair still has to be 
a part of what did they maybe contribute, even as the quote unquote victim of the affair, what did they do or not do that maybe helped create the kind of marriage where this partner thought an affair was acceptable or a solution? That doesn't mean you're responsible. That doesn't mean you're to blame. But in all systems and all relationships, we are a co-contributor to the problem. And it's the problem we have to look at that leads to divorce, the problem that led to the affair. And early on in work in affairs, it's not really that comfortable or safe to often ask that question. But that's where we have to get at some point. What do I do? What did I do? What did I not do? And as the affair person, you have to say, what did I do or not do that led me to think that this was okay? How do I reinvest in my relationship? Or how do I really solve the dilemma? Is it that I need to tell my partner I need better sex or more sex? Is it that I shouldn't be in this relationship and I'm too afraid to say that and leave? And so instead I stay and also leave by cheating, right? What is the core issue that is driving you to cheat? What is the core issue that drives you to divorce? Work on that because often they're the same thing. And healthy individuals self-reflect and they know that they're part of a system. They're never neutral. We're never neutral. There's always some piece we bring in and we have to be willing to look at that. This is emotional maturity though. Children do fair is fair. Adults are always saying, I wonder what my part is in this. And when we're working through an affair, whether we stay or go is dependent upon the person who had the affair. What level of accountability are they bringing in? And if so, the person who is cheated on has to work on forgiving and deciding if they're going to stay and repair or release and move on. But again, all of that comes back to what we said in the earlier segments, which is if we like each other, then there's something to work with. And if we don't, it's going to be even harder. But if we've built that strong, likable friendship, then we're not going to want to harm each other. And that affair person will probably not step out and do that. So we have to look at what was the quality of the relationship that they were willing to harm or cheat on, right? And here's the kicker. We like to think it's all men. Nope. Gender doesn't decide about affairs. The research now shows that more women are having affairs than men. Hear that again. Women are having more affairs than men. And that's because a lot of affairs take place at the workplace, unfortunately, and more women are working and more women are having affairs. I think some of the reason why women are having affairs is because they're tired of toxic masculinity, sexism, and gender roles. That's a whole nother topic for a different show, but women are now having more affairs than men, and they think it's research-wise based on more opportunities. So work on creating the kind of relationship that your wife doesn't want to cheat on or damage, right? And vice versa. But those healthy relationships that do better have more positive thoughts and moments than negative ones. Are you undervaluing the positive? Are you only focusing on the negative? Write down what you value, what feels good to you about the relationship and try to lean and feel more from that. Sometimes we get stuck in a negativity bias where we only feel and realize and point to the negative. Catch yourself thinking something positive and share it. Bring in compliments, love and, and care for your partner. We talk about this also that it's a cycle. People go through those structural commitments. We're married, we're monogamous, whatever. I can stop now. No, you always need to be attracting and romancing. You have to stay in that cycle. If you let romance go, well, then romance goes. If you let eroticism get deprioritized, well, then it feels not like a priority and it goes. Stay in that cycle. You have to always be attracting and romancing. Whatever you did to get them in the first place is what you have to keep doing to keep them. If in the beginning you were charming and romantic and took care of yourself, you better keep doing that. Yes, things change and ebb and flow and age and disability and finances, but we have to stay in the process of flirting and attracting. Otherwise, the courtship cycle stops and that's why it flattens and it feels not as great as it used to, right? And also that ties to that is expressing gratitude, you know? Lean into that. Let your partner know that you're thankful that you have them. We sometimes are only quick and aware and connected to the negatives. And 
our marriage or our relationship will feel that, right? If we're only pointing out and calling out the bad. So try to reorient that. Start to call out the good. Start to compliment more. Start to notice positive things and point that out. You want to have way more positive experiences and thoughts than negative ones. And sometimes they are there. We're just not realizing them or highlighting them. And so do that difficult work. And if you can't find any, then it's probably time to go. You know, again, remember the health of a relationship isn't determined by the length of time you were in it or occurred. It's leaving when it's time to leave and staying when it's time to stay. And honestly, the success of a relationship is realizing if you were your best or not, you know? And this is really sit in this. Whatever's coming up in these topics shows you where there's some work or what needs attention. So really, really practice this. It will powerfully improve the quality of your relationship. Um, all right, we've got to take another break uh, and then we'll be coming back for a little more chat and then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So stick around for that. Got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got or topics you want covered. And as always, we are channelq.com is where you go to check out the other shows on our station, but also to check out more Loveline. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're closing up our conversation about relationships and affairs. Oh, we went through a lot of important material, but I think that this is stuff that people aren't thinking about, aware of, focusing on, and um, I think it's to their detriment. So let's really get back and, and better about this stuff. So uh, final thing also, let's talk about jealousy. And that's a final piece. Jealousy happens. Um, it's not always a bad thing. Managing it's really important. We don't always immediately want to make our partner responsible for it if they're not doing anything bad, wrong, or inappropriate. Sometimes it's us needing to learn to be more secure, or like I said, working more on relational security, which means more responsiveness, more availability, more consistency, more time together. Sometimes that's all jealousy is saying is, we need more time together. So before you attack your partner or the fact that they're having coffee with an ex, even though everyone's healthy and we can trust people, maybe it's just a sign you need more time together. But it might also be a sign, like I said, that the relationship isn't getting the time and quality it needs. And so ask yourself that first. Have we been spending a lot of time together? Quality time. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's not that I'm threatened by the fact that my partner has friends and goes out without me, which is completely healthy and appropriate. Maybe it's just that I'm realizing I need more time together. And, and lean into that. It's really that adult, mature work of saying, what's really going on? What's really the problem? If, I, if his friends aren't bad or threatening, then I don't want to act like I'm threatened by boys night out right? I want to say maybe I'm realizing that I'm jealous that they're getting time, you know, weekly and I'm not. So let me ask for that. Hey, can we also choose a time where it's just date night, right? So really ask yourself, like, what is the core issue I'm struggling with and trying to solve? Don't just be superficial or topical with, well, I feel bad. So that means whatever you're doing is wrong. You have to stop doing it because that's not always true. It's okay for us to do things that make our partners unhappy if it's something that's important to us and it's from our mental health. It's okay to say, look, I know you'd rather me be home every weeknight, um, but it's important that I also have time with my friends or time with my family, right? So we have to be open to saying, okay, so then what really is this about? So going back to that core, um, discomfort isn't a bad thing. Discomfort's a sign that we can maybe learn and grow because uh, we're working on connection. We don't want to just go through the motions. Don't just expect them to be there to be there. Make sure it has meaning and value, right? This is where, as we say, relationships are a mirror being held up, right? It's letting us see where our work is. So whenever you're triggered, that shows you where your wounds are, what you need to heal. A trigger isn't a sign that our partner needs to do something differently. It's for us to first say, I'm triggered, so I have a wound. It's my job to heal it. I can't make my partner change their behavior or their life so as to never be triggered. Triggers are going to happen. 
And that's our responsibility to manage. But we somehow got in this cultural place of thinking it's our partner's job to never trigger us. Well, sure, a loving partner will be aware of some of them and do their best, but it's our job first to keep ourselves cool, calm, and collected and to not let those triggers exist. That's why when we become aware of them, we have to resolve them so we can move on with our lives. We don't want to be threatened and sensitive and scared around everything and everyone, you know? Because it's healthier for our partners to have a full life with us and without us, right? That's where true trust comes in. We're building that trust, right? We're talking about true relational security where we have the consistency, right? The reliability, the follow-up. And so all's well if we can have that. So work on having that. Ask for that. And this is how we get away from having to worry about these issues down the road. The way we start our relationships should be from our best. And if we lay down those important structures and foundations, well, then we can really trust the future we're going to build from there. But a lot of us have a lot of relational trauma and baggage from whatever's occurred prior, and we tend to bring that into our new relationship, and then they're punished with it and for it. And we want to not do that. So if you're single, just say to yourself, let me look back at my past relationships. What do I need to work on? What, who do I want to be again? And who do I not want to be again? And what do I need to remind myself? What do I need to write down and remember as I move forward so I can move forward from a more confident, secure place? Because remember, as I say every show, we want to make people's lives better by our presence in them. Your job as a partner, a wife, a husband, is not to make someone's life harder or, or more complicated. If so, please take yourself out. But we are in people's lives to make their lives better. And if that's not what we're doing, we need to check ourselves. So ask yourself that. Is my presence in my friend's life, my, my parent's life, my partner's life, am I making it better and enhancing it or making it negative, harder, more complicated? Because you got it backwards. Fix that. Check that neutralize that, do some work. And we have to look at who we are in our relationships. What am I proud of? What am I not proud of? What do I need to change? Right? Looking in that mirror. And that's what therapy can do. Maybe get into therapy, couples therapy, individual therapy. I think everyone at some point should. I think every relationship at some point should. You learn a lot. We get lost in ourselves. We can't always see ourselves. We get defensive. We have fragile egos, right? But we want to have a positive impact. And that's where we really learn about ourselves. Dating is the time to stop running away from the parts of ourselves that we actually need to face and fix. Let it do that. Dating requires dismantling all those barriers and walls and wounds in ourselves that prevent us from finding love and a healthy relationship. Ask yourself, what do I need to dismantle? What am I taking forward? Ask yourself, what do I need to fix and face so I can date authentically as myself, really assess compatibility and chemistry, trying to leave my ego behind. I don't know what I need. When in doubt, I'm going out. When in doubt, I'm going out again with that same person to really experientially see what's there. I'm not getting hung up on height, weight, finances. We know those things are not the things that lead to long-term happy relationships. Those are short-term. That's what you want on paper for a prom date, as they say. But in a partner, we want what longer-term requires, availability, maturity, presence, consistency. And those things are felt when we meet them in real time. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to glide into those DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and uh, now it's time to glide into the DMs. Gliding into the DMs. As always, the DMs are open 24 hours a day. Anything you got, drop it in there. Questions, we're here for you. Anything you're wondering about, topic you want me to hit on, dive deeper into, let us know. Producer Alex, uh, she'll, she'll get all that information to me. Um, uh, all right, here we go, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, been listening to your show for a long time. Love everything that you do. You talk about people in monogamous relationships, I'm one of those, but I think my girlfriend wants to try some of those other things. I'm all for it, I understand, but I'm afraid if I allow her to do that, I'll never get her back. What can I do? How do I need to reassess my thinking? I know I'm being selfish, but I really think she's the love of my life. So much in there, and I appreciate people that are more monogamously oriented get triggered or nervous when someone brings up some other style, but I, I love that you are uh, willing to at least listen and explore, and that's all one can ask for. Um, that's love, that's care. Like, hey, I'm always here to listen and, 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 and hear you out. Might not be interested, right? Uh, might get nervous, but uh, hey, I'm here to listen. So that's great. Some people are monogamously oriented. Some people aren't. Just like we have sexual orientations, we have relational orientations. Not everyone's built or made for monogamy. It's not healthy for everyone. And please don't think monogamy is always a great answer. For some people, it's the worst decision and they make it from the worst in them and it's not good for them and they do it in a very toxic way and they suck the soul out of their partner and it's all about control and jealousy. It's a mess, right? And so talk it out. Your first entry point should be ask your girlfriend, um, hey, what, what does that mean for you? Help me understand what, what you mean when you want non-monogamy. Why, when, how? Has monogamy worked? How's it not worked? Sometimes it's just that people haven't had the experience of being with someone who understood how monogamy can go in a healthy way. That's part of it. Sometimes people can't imagine it being healthy because everyone they've been with was very jealous, controlling, sexist, misogynist. She might be like, look, I'm done being controlled by guys. You know. So talk about that. Let her know what monogamy means to you. Let her know why it's important to you. Find out why non-monogamy is important to her. Uh, and this is where we also bump into the yes, no, maybe list. Because this comes up with sex as well. Talk about what parts of it you are okay with. Talk about what parts of it you're not. Talk about what the maybes are. Maybe I'd be open to this. 
but I wouldn't be open to that. You know, be a little flexible because your desire or need for monogamy is not more legitimate, appropriate, or healthier than her desire for non-monogamy. Both are as equally legitimate, reasonable, you know what I mean? And the two of you come together and how you manage that is also her learning about you as a potential partner, right? So I like that you're approaching this calmly and lovingly, let her know your experience of jealousy and all that. And one of the a top reason that people end relationships is due to jealousy and cheating. Non-monogamy removes that because it's allowed. It's done in a healthy way. Relationships get to last longer. Non-monogamy allows for relationships to often have more sustainability and health. Uh, we're not, it's not fear-based. It's not jealousy-based. There's no limits, you know? But um, it matters why. It matters how. So you have a zero. Yeah, you have zero. You have a lot of questions to still ask, you know? Um, cause again, you're saying she wants to try other things. Maybe she wants to just try bringing in a third. What, what would that mean to you? What would you need for that to have happen for you to be comfortable? Right. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what that word means to her. Uh, and I like that you said you're all for it. You understand, but you're afraid to allow her. This is an act of care and trust. She's saying, I, I want to be able to stay with you. So I'm going to let you know what I need to make this work. So that's actually a sign of investment, you know, be comforted by that. And remember, monogamy is not what keeps people safe. Monogamy is not what pe keeps people from cheating. The person's integrity does. And if they have integrity, they have integrity. And if they care about you in the relationship, they will continue to do things that look out for you in the relationship. Healthy people in healthy relationships won't allow the relationship to get lost or drift. They'll do everything they need to do. So if you don't feel safe or comfortable, don't do open relationships. But with people we, we're safe with and we trust, those are the best people to try it with. And here's the other thing. It doesn't have to be a permanent decision. You can say, yes, I'm open to trying it once. Yes, I'm open to trying it for a few months. And then we'll talk about what worked or what didn't work and what we need to change. We're allowed to go through phases where we're closed, other phases where we're open. It's a, it's a, it's a work in progress always always. So it's always ever changing. So maybe you're willing to just check it out, try it out and see how it goes. But uh, circle back and let me know. But I like the way you're beginning. You're, you're already trying to be a little open. So that's great. That's good stuff. Um, all right. We got to take a little break. Uh, yeah. But uh, drop some DMs in our, in our DMs on our Loveline AG page. They're always open. Uh, we'll be back though. And uh, yeah, talking about later in the show, how to deal with some social anxiety. Look, we all got that. So stick around and join us. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.